Hello. <laughs> so in 2012, a month before I left for Israel for my first year of rabbinical school, my little brother Joshua graduated from high school. Both of my brothers and I, we all went to Wellesley High School, a very highly ranked public school in the fairly wealthy, fairly white, Metro West suburbs of Boston. The commencement speaker for my brother's class was our beloved 10th grade English teacher, Mr. McCullough, who is known for his dry sense of humor, his excellent teaching, his complete hatred of the verb to be in any written work, just crossed it out, and his continued refrain whenever we left class at the end of the day to carpe the heck out of the DM. <laughs> Mr. McCullough's commencement speech to this highly advantaged group of teens was titled, You Are Not Special. He ended up receiving a little national attention and I believe possibly a book deal for offering a counter-narrative to what many saw as the continued pampering and helicopter parenting of late millennials. In all the news coverage in the aftermath, though, I think the compassion behind his message got a little lost. What he was telling my brother's graduating class and all of us in attendance was this. No amount of privilege, no number of trophies or advanced placement classes, no fancy graduation present or diploma frame will erase the fact that you are exactly as worthy and valuable as every other person on this planet without any of those things. Everyone is special and therefore none of us are. In reading this week's portion of Ha'azinu, the second to last in our Torah cycle, which spans just one chapter here at the end of Deuteronomy, I tried to imagine Moses sitting on the back row of the bleachers during Mr. McCullough's speech and grinning a little sheepishly. You see, Moses has been spending all of Deuteronomy, and far longer, really, speechifying at the Israelites, trying to give them the commencement address that will help prepare them for life on the other side of the Jordan. And yet, when it comes time for Moses to say his true goodbyes and slough off his mortal coil, he's the one who needs a little bit of a talking to. The rabbis of Midrash Tanhuma, composed sometime in the 6th to 9th centuries, no one knows, read the final verses of Ha'azinu and imagine an entire unwritten scene unfolding. In those final verses, Moses finishes his song to the Israelites and God tells him, you shall die on the mountain that you are about to ascend and shall be gathered to your kin. You may view the land from a distance, but you shall not enter it. Moses has known that this was coming for some time since God announced this punishment when Moses struck the rock to bring forth water. 
And yet, according to a very lengthy midrash, Moses is not at all ready for this moment when it arrives. The text imagines a continued back and forth between Moses and God, with Moses attempting to delay the day of his death. He would have been a great lawyer because he's got about every argument in the book. Number one, I haven't been that awful, have I? I mean, you forgave 600,000 Israelites and they built a golden calf, I'm just one guy. Number two, I'm going to go to the heavens and the earth and the sea and the angels in heaven, and I'm going to ask them to argue for mercy on my behalf. Number three, my mom has already lost two kids. Don't you think it would be a little much to lose a third? Apparently, by the way, Yocheved, his mother, was still alive. That's how Midrash works. <laughs> I'm scared of the angel of death. God has more or less patient answers for all of these complaints, even down to the angel of death. Don't worry, Moses, God says, I'll take you myself. And then Moses tries one argument that he assumes cannot fail. But God, aren't I special? God responds, Moses, even Adam had to die. Even Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And Moses says, but did they ascend to the firmament? Did they walk in your holy realm? Did they receive Torah from your hand and speak with you face to face? And God says, enough. We won't speak of this matter again. Even Moses is not special. Every human being who walks this earth has a time to leave it, even him. This is, after all, one of the central themes we just experienced this week on Yom Kippur. We deny our body's needs, wear white like a shroud, remind ourselves in liturgy that there are things we cannot control, who will live and who will die. That Moses' final hours would be read at this moment in our calendar is no accident. The heroes of our Torah are mortal, just like us. And the Midrash imagines an exquisite death for Moses. He finally sees that Joshua is ready to teach the people to take up the mantle that he has been holding for so long. So the people come to Moses and say, forgive us, and it is time. Moses crosses his arms over his heart he blesses God's name. He tells them, see the final end of flesh and blood. And then his soul departs with a kiss from the Holy One. Exquisite and heartbreaking. But to end with the finality of our mortal selves, to end with you're just not special, is not where we are meant to stay. Even Mr. McCullough knew that when he came to the end of his commencement speech. He ended with a charge, 
how we ought to live, despite our not specialness. The fulfilling life, he said, the distinctive life, the relevant life, is an achievement, not something that fell into your lap. The first President Roosevelt, the old rough rider, advocated the strenuous life. Mr. Thoreau wanted to drive life into a corner, to live deep and suck out the marrow. The poet Mary Oliver tells us to row, row into the swirl and royal. The point is the same, he said. Get busy. Have at it. Get up. Get out. Explore. Climb the mountain, not to plant your flag, but to embrace the challenge, enjoy the air, and behold the view. Climb it so you can see the world, not so the world can see you. Jewish tradition ends this period of the holidays, this commencement address as we graduate into the year of 5780 in exactly the same way as my 10th grade English teacher. It does not want us to stay in the death-like space of Yom Kippur, nor does it want us to stop reading the Torah with the death of Moses. Sukkot and Simchat Torah come as a gift at the end of the days of awe to remind us, true, we are not special. We human beings are as fragile as the three-walled huts we will build, here one day, gone the next. And yet, in the time we have, we're going to celebrate. We'll invite people in. We'll smell and taste the gifts of the natural world. We will savor the stars. We'll dance with the sacred text we and our ancestors and our ancestors' ancestors have loved all the way back to Moses. We will start reading again. What could be more special than that?